It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. Outdoor Research invites you to check out the new Refuge Hybrid Hooded Jacket and the legendary Ascendant Hoodie. Yes, legendary. Through Outdoor Research's clever use of quantum multiverse theory, both the Refuge and the Ascendant are simultaneously the ultimate mid-layer jacket. Yes, your mind just got blown. The Refuge is slim cut and ready for action and movement on cold days, while the Ascendant is ready for pretty much everything in this universe and the one that popped into existence at the end of this sentence. They're lightweight and perfect for stashing in the pack against that inviting t-shirt morning that turns into a grueling mess by afternoon. So don't limit yourself to one universe. Branch into infinity at OutdoorResearch.com or your favorite local shop. Outdoor Research is a proud, if sometimes slightly confused, sponsor of the Runout Podcast. If I told you a climber from California had free soloed three major formations in Patagonia, not only free soloing up them, but also free soloing down them without using a rope to repel, you'd be forgiven for thinking that I was talking about Alex Honnold. In fact, that climber was Jim Reynolds, a guy I had never really heard too much about till now. He's a 25-year-old climber hailing from Weaverville, California. He works on the Yosemite Search and Rescue Team in the summer he wears rectangular frameless glasses, plays renditions of Slayer on his mandolin, and considers mental training to be wielding a wooden samurai katana in the sun-dappled light of a ponderosa forest behind the Yosar campsite. Last month, Jim made a big statement in Patagonia. He free-soloed up and down Fitzroy, St. Exupery, and Rafael Juarez. He did so without any fanfare, insta-spray, or Oscar trophies waiting for him back home. Pretty badass. I got to speak to Jim shortly after his groundbreaking ascents, and I got to break the story with an article I wrote for National Geographic. In this episode, Chris and I go through some of the details of Jim's incredible ascents. And naturally, we got into a discussion about Free Solo, the now Oscar-winning documentary film. But it is interesting to consider if the prominence of that film might influence our sport. Will the film be that extra jolt of motivation that pushes young, impressionable minds to go through with their crazy ideas? Or are these artists of the mountains the free-thinking spirits they make themselves out to be? And are we the ones whose weak minds are sentencing us to lives of mediocrity and sin? This is Andrew Bisharat, and you're listening to The Runout. this face to face so much easier Uh, it's not just easier i think you just you like it more oh i totally like it more yeah i mean more animated one one or the other it's like i'm staring at a wall (laughs) i'm drinking alone (laughs) you know i mean you are you're drinking alone that's no fun no it's not fun. that's sad yeah drinking alone is sad it always has been Drinking alone and climbing alone. The today, yeah, <laughs> the topic of today's episode. <laughs> you just recently got an interview. You you sort of bagged a 
a free range Jim Reynolds. That's right. In the wild, which for is, a scoop, yeah, scoopy scoop, it's pretty cool because uh, this guy, Climbing Magazine, called him the Dark Horse, mm. which is super cliche. Mm. Yeah, nice sounds going, like you something guys. Climbing Magazine would say. Yeah, but I'm, I know that James and, and Matt know better, but they just had to use it well, because. Yeah. You got to use it. That's what you do when you're an editor yeah. magazine. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, truly, the the one of these these guys from a uh, I think a pretty deep tradition on SAR mm-hmm. search and rescue in Yosemite of just you know quietly at least on on a on a outside the valley scale, you know, getting rad shit done just day to day. Yeah. Um, so tell tell me uh, tell me a little bit about talking to Jim Reynolds. All right. So Jim. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Jim's a Yosar guy, um, and he's been in the Valley for the last, you know, seven years or so climbing for about that long, 25 year old guy who had his first season in Patagonia this austral summer and came away with some pretty, pretty impressive ascents for anyone, let alone a first timer in Patagonia. Um, the big headline is that he free soloed Fitzroy via, via this route called Afanasiev. But um, he free soloed Fitzroy, climbed up it, and then climbed down. So didn't use a rope. So that's the first time that's been done. And yeah, 5,000 foot long rock climb, about a 510 in difficulty. Although he climbed some variations on it that he said were quite a bit harder. Mm-hmm. But yeah, basically. You know, this is one of the big, probably one of the biggest solos in Patagonia, um, certainly since Marc-Andre Leclerc was was doing what he was doing there a few years ago. Yeah, and, and you know, a little bit more background on Jim Reynolds. You might have heard his name because of doing the nose record with Brad Grobright, the record that was broken by Tommy and... Alex, Tommy Caldwell, and Alex Honnold. You don't need to say their last names. I know. They're just Tommy and Alex. They're just Tommy and but Alex. You, like, do you need to say Jim's last name? They're like and- Sting <laughs> in Madonna. <laughs> but you do need to say Jim Reynolds' last name. Yeah. But- I mean, he's going to be a name, a household name, I think, after this after this news breaks because... Um, a climbing household name. Climbing household not, name. Not normal yeah. households yeah. like Alex has. but Yeah, not like Alex, yeah. But nevertheless... You know the the name has been out there with with some pretty audacious ascents in Yosemite, um, but obviously not at the four. You know, yeah, Brad Gobright of- obviously was a driving force behind that nose record, so he's been kind of at least in the media in this support role. But this is obviously gonna gonna you know make a name for him as as his own climber. Mm-hmm. The idea is really interesting because the Fitzroy's been soloed before. You know, it's been soloed largely with people climbing with a rope in tow or pulling on gear, sort of this anything goes in the mountains. Um, Dean Potter f- actually did like a proper free solo where he didn't pull on gear or anything like that via the California route and whatever that was, 2002 or three or something. Um, but he rappelled down, um, which most people He didn't people jump do. off? He didn't jump off. Okay. No. Rappelled down. And I guess that was before that. Yeah, that I think that was before career, he like yeah. really got into that, yeah. So Jim, you talk to these free soloists and they all talk about like their art, you know, this is their art in the mountains and I sort my eyes sort of glaze over, but Jim was such a compelling interview and it's just so 
charismatic and genuine about his his idea that this is a way to 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 do art in the mountains that you know my eye rolling was to a minimum but that's sort of how he describes and a lot of other people i've interviewed who do this sort of thing describe what they do at this level but you know his his description of it is you know the best expression the best way you can like interact with this mountain is free soloing up and then down climbing down so not using ropes in any sense and you know in that sense it's like rappelling is is a form of aid and so it's an interesting idea and curiously it's not one that that he came up with that actually predates him by you know over a hundred years and goes back to this guy paul Proust, who wrote this you know manifesto of sorts about what his vision of climbing was unbeknownst to jim 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 didn't know this actually uh, but his, his idea was that you should that down climbing is part of the solo experience part of the valid solo experience so yeah it's i think i think it's just like an interesting creative ascent that we've seen in climbing it's not the traditional you know you know i'm a guy who's trying to make headlines in the news but he he's doing something different and and i think it's really genuine to just who he is as a climber and how he wants to express himself and I think it's pretty cool. I think it's something worth talking about. Does this cat even have its sponsors? They, uh, was I have no he idea. Ma- yeah. There's, I mean, he probably does. I mean, someone's probably giving him shoes at the very least. I would I, hope so. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. But you have no idea because he's you not have like, no idea. He's not like, yeah, I, I had no idea even who he was before I talked to him, really. You know, he's not like a 514D climber or anything like that, but he he loves soloing he considers like his first free solo to just be these like hikes he would do in in the mountains you know in northern california where he grew up where he'd go off alone and you know just at that level of an age of where he was it was like super committing to be scrambling up these really exposed mountains and it was that mentality of just being alone in a place and being self-reliant and so I think that sort of predates his like technical solo experience. Well, I love ethics talks in climbing. Mm-hmm. I love discussing the the ins and outs. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> you know, luckily um, for what I've, I've been trying to do for the last eight years. But <laughs> when I when I was in climbing um, and, and soloing, I, I soloed a lot on El Cap and aid climbing rope solo. But even then, I, I was very into the sort of minutia of what it meant to solo Mm -hmm. and and you know so this really appeals to me this idea that you're you've got this ideal the ideal is that you're one person no or minimal gear Mm -hmm. in the case of climbing shoes chalk bag that's always the thing that people come down to you know in trying to strip it away to you know this this experience of just you interacting with the mountain And, and even but even with rope soloing you know, on El Cap, like I was very, in the end of my sort of height of my career, I started to get into the minutia of whether or not a solo ascent could involve someone helping you carry your stuff up to the base. Mm-hmm. Were you really climbing by yourself if that was part of it or getting you off the top? Or the other one that I really actually, you know, was kind of vocal about was that if 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 you've got a photographer rappelling in to where you are to take pictures, you know, are you solo? Mm. Because right. by definition, you're not alone anymore. Speaking of drinking alone, <laughs> beginning of this, um, 
the the you know you're not alone and and also it takes away that commitment mm-hmm. level and and one of the things that i think a lot of soloists again you talked about how a lot of them wax poetic about art there also is this idea of commitment mm-hmm. like i'm going to go up there and commit fully to what i'm doing and and i think jim with this idea of that you're you're committing to getting yourself down without a rope as well as up without a rope is taking that to this this whole new level yeah so just to put into context exactly what this means cuz i think it's a little abstract what that what that actually means to climb free solo 5000 foot mountain route with root finding and he was climbing vertical 510 slabs you know, no crack. A lot of it was without solid jamming or crack climbing. So mm-hmm. he was taking up holds, little cramps that he would stand on, you know, hoping that he would see them on his way down, you know, building Karens on the easier parts or it's more just like, you know, ridge scrambling or something like that, but still super exposed. Uh, when he got up at the top of the Jesus, mountain. So he's going to down climb 510 slab. He's yeah. Jesus. And All so right. I'll, I'll get you, I'll Fucking get to the Jim punch, Reynolds. get to the punchline of that in a second. But toward the top, the crux of this route is, is, um, or one of the more dangerous parts is climbing up this like ice gully, you know, at the top and, you know, he didn't have a helmet on. He was by the way, carrying a rope and a, a small amount of gear just as like to increase his safety margin in case something went wrong. But apparently he forgot his harness and rappel device you know, at in El Chal 10. So yeah, sure. You know, it happens. Yeah. So, but anyway, he carried all this gear with him. I don't even know if he realized that he didn't have his harness and belay device with him, but toward the top, he, you know, this is like ice is melting, you know, things are coming down. And so, you know, he's looking at this as a soloist and he kind of takes this different route on this, face that he described as being as difficult as the changing corners pitch on Astroman. So whatever that is, like technical climbing on a f- unprotected face that you would never go on as a, you know, if you're leading as a you know a traditional rope climber. For him, it was like a very natural, obvious line. So he, that's the way he climbed to the top and perhaps added some technical difficulty to this ascent. So this was like seven or eight hours to get to the top of this route. He gets there around three or so and has to climb down and starts down climbing, you know, gets lost a few times, climbs back up, you know, doing all this stuff, like trying to follow where his tick marks were on faces, where his Karens were on the ridges, trying to, you know, and at this point, because ice had been melting, a lot of climbs or slabs that he had climbed that were dry were now wet. Oh, so his Jesus tick marks man. were wet. You know, and he gets down to the bottom and there's this six, eight, you know, there's this five ten B pitch, like, you know, in the last 300 feet or so of the route. And it's fully dark at this point. You know, he's been <laughs> out for 15, you know, 12 or so hours. And just to consider the fact that this is like a 15 hour big day for him where he's in this do not fall zone, you know, that's really stressful. You know, I, I, I can't imagine being in that mentality of one mistake, I'm going to die for 15 hours straight, basically. So he gets to the, toward the end of it, you know, there's this last little crux to down climb and it's one of the blanker, you know, scarier slab pitches on the route. And he's just like fully psych. He has, he said he had to psych himself up. He's just like doing primal, like bouldering screams in the dark, 
just like yelling and like jesus this is like making my stomach hurt and he was like i was never he, he made the point of specifically saying it, I w- it wasn't because i was at my limit or i was out of control it was like i wanted to like give this a mo- i knew this was like the last like part i really needed to pay attention to and i was so tired and you know I'm, it was like a technique to to just give myself a little bit of adrenaline and, and just that edge of like pain attention yeah, and focus and, and yeah, focus yeah right. So, you know, he gets down to the bottom and there's a storm coming in the next day that he knew about. So it wasn't even like he could just stay there. And so he just, you know, hiked out that night, spent the next seven and a half hours slowly hiking out um, to get back to camp and, and then town. And so, yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. Ascent. I mean, incredible. Like- incredible. Yeah rivaling you know honestly rivaling free solo mm-hmm. rivaling the el cap thing i don't know if you would <laughs> i don't know if you'd say that but we did talk he's i mean you know, we would t- we I did know talk he about say that i'm saying it yeah you, you're saying that yeah it's interesting you know we we live in this world now where uh free solo is a household name and free soloing is is something that everybody knows about and this idea of publishing or speaking about or glorifying free solo ascents has always been this like taboo in the climbing world because we don't want to, you know, impress young impressionable minds with the idea that this is, you know, a good idea for them to, to take on themselves. You know, of course, like guys like Jim Reynolds are, are super inspired by guys like Alex Honnold and, you know, and Brad and his buddy and Brad Brad and, you know, and Alex is super inspired by guys like Backer and Peter Croft and, you know, it goes back and back and back. And so, yeah, I don't know what to make of that other than, you know, this would be a different conversation had, had he died, of course, you know, on, on that note. Well, actually that, that's a question I just sort of scribbled on my, uh, my post-it notes here. Pink post My pink post-it notes is that, you know, is this ethos, this idea of full commitment, is it survivable? And, and that brings up two sort of kind of opposing questions. Is it more survivable because it'll keep the level a little bit lower in the sense that, you know, Jim Reynolds probably wasn't thinking about going up as much as he was thinking about coming down. Mm-hmm. And certainly if you take someone like Alex Honnold and, and the free rider, if, if you, you know, put in that equation to, to Alex and said, yeah, you got to undo the free rider traverse, the karate kick. Right. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't have done it. No. Do you know what I mean? So in some ways it feels like, well, maybe it, it is becomes slightly more survivable in that you got to be more calculated in the up and the down and the, the down will keep the up, you know, well, well within, within somebody's limits. Well, that was Paul Pruce's idea was you should not be on a climb that you can't down climb. That was that was like the point that he made in his manifesto, right? And that know, comes up in other in, in other. I mean, even in the early days of free climbing, mm-hmm. at least here in uh, in Colorado and Boulder, you know, those guys um, that weren't allowing themselves to hang dog, mm-hmm. that was part of the game as well. Is if you got up to a difficult section and you didn't think you could to do it without falling, you might well, likely you would consider down climbing back to the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Erickson, Steve Wunsch, those guys in Eldo were certainly doing that um, as well as other parts of the country of that same, I mean, and, and perhaps they were inspired by that uh, Paul Proust because of this idea of fair means of if you fall, you 
you you uh you know theoretically died right you know because free climbing actually i don't think many people think about this now but when it when it began it was this idea of sort of simulated soloing mm-hmm. that if you fell and you were on the rope you were done you weren't allowed to hang there and try the moves because you you know it's like almost like a video game you it was game over you died yeah, I don't mind theoretically dying. I, I actually mind dying, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to fall on but my I'll rope. I'll theoretically <laughs> die all fucking day. No problem. I mean, no problem. It's like when you drive somewhere and you don't remember because you were like looking at the radio. <laughs> right. That's kind of like theoretically dying. Do you know what I mean? Like you wake up and you're there and you're like, I don't remember any of this shit. I made two turns, stopped at a stoplight. Anyway, right. That's theoretical right, yeah. dying. Not a problem. So let me ask you this though: was uh, was Jim onsighting this route? Um, he onsighted most of it, but the, he did try it once before, and he climbed just partway, let's say a thousand or so feet up the route, mm. and did rappel off of it. Uh, basically, he just had an intuition that today wasn't the day, right? And, and, and so, failed. when you were talking about that that variation that he. Uh, compared to the changing corners on mm. on uh, Astroman, which is freaking hard. Yeah. That was, you know, just like, oh, I see this. I'll that was, go and that check was it on out. Site, yeah. Yeah. On site of something that perhaps had never been climbed before. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's rad. That's rad. That's when I was like, this is as cool as free solo. Yeah. I mean, that we're talking about some amazing mental control, some amazing... I don't know, just connection to what he was up to up there. Mm-hmm. If you're just like, oh, look at that over there. I'll just go and climb that. And it turns out to be hard 511. And it certainly makes the the summit much more a halfway point. You know, you're not at the top, you know, so to speak. You're you're really only halfway there, if if less so. Because, you know, if you free solo a route and get to the top, then you're going to walk off or rappel down. But if you're preparing to down climb something, that's like a whole other level. You know, this is something that just, this is an idea that came to him because he says that he's always been naturally good at down climbing. I don't know what that means, but how you discover that. But yeah, that was, that was something he mentioned. So what do you think, uh, what do you think about what makes this guy tick? Well, I think he just has a natural penchant for, for being alone and being ropeless and climbing. And I think that that's, this is very much who he is. It seems and, and um, this has been confirmed by other people I've spoken to about his demeanor, and it seems to be that this is he's comfortable doing this. You know, the the risk involved in free soloing is a really interesting topic to get into because it self-selects for who can do it and who can't, I think, in a way that other risky sports don't allow for. So, for example, you know, base jumping is often compared to free soloing in a lot of ways. There's not a lot that needs to go into counting down from three and throwing yourself off a cliff. No, no, there's not anything. I mean, anyone can jump off a cliff. But a free soloist, you know, it's slow. And it's slow in a way that allows your brain to really contemplate the risk and what it is that you're doing. And so every single inch that you climb up is, you know, very apparently one inch further that you will fall to the ground and die. And so, you know, a lot of this boo-hooing about, you know, media influencing people to free, to just start randomly free-soloing, I think is unwarranted in some senses because 
you, you know, you can inspire someone with all of the romanticized notions about free soloing all you want. Go let them have at it and they will quickly find out that they are either cut out for it or not. I mean, this whole like hand wringing over just random people trying to free soul a cap is ridiculous because, you know, you almost literally can't get off the ground if you don't climb five nine or five ten. And someone who climbs five nine or five ten already has an inkling of what it means to climb harder than that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, the question is, is that we, you know, we have this like almost feel like this pre and post free solo world. Mm. And there's been all this hand wringing about like promoting soloing and promoting risk. And I think that's what it comes down to. The concern is promoting this, this high level of absolute risk that mm-hmm. goes with free soloing. The risk in roped climbing is there, but in a lot of ways, it's it's sort of um, it's sort of theoretical in the sense that you just don't know what's going to happen when you fall. Mm-hmm. The gear most likely will catch you, but all those sorts of things. When you fall soloing, it's you know after a certain amount of feet, it, it, we're not guessing at what's going to happen to you. Right. So, do you think that this is you know a significant sea change in the way we look at climbing, or is it just uh, the flavor of the month at this point? This think, idea that there's this this whole movement or this whole change in the way we look at climbing because of uh, because of free soloing El Cap, not not the movie, but uh, the act. We're talking about climbing. Well, I, I got to say that I think that people who start free soloing are almost inevitably inspired by other free soloists. And so I don't even know where you would get that idea without seeing that and hearing about it and reading romanticized stories about it. Um, and so I think that that we that it's going to continue. Just as you know, this has been some a part of climbing literature for hundreds of years, and it's going to continue to be a part of it. I don't see it being an unethical way of telling climbing stories or sharing you know, what people are doing in the climbing world. Um, and I don't think that, I don't know. I mean, I think that young, young impressionable people are going to be young impressionable people and do stupid things and hopefully they survive. You, you can certainly look at a chain of inspiration. Like you said, Jim is obviously inspired by his friends, inspired by Alex Honnold. Alex Honnold goes back to back or blah, blah, blah. And we all go back to Paul Proust, mm. you know, apparently daddy, 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 Proust. The daddy Proust. <laughs> However, I mean, you who know, died, who died free soloing, who died free soloing, actually. But I think that uh, my point about free climbing really being free solo simulator, I think goes back to to this idea that a lot of climbers and all of us in a lot of ways, you know, see climbing ropeless, just the person on the cliff, no encumbrance of gear of rope or anything really is like the ultimate state Mm. because when you when you red point a route even that's the state you want to feel like you're in and so horrifying yeah it sounds horrifying but i'm just saying the movement becomes freeing and so yeah yeah the thing that's romantic about free soloing is that you can do these big long routes without all the mm -hmm. bullshit yeah you can go climb a five thousand foot rock climb without you know, yeah, gear and right. like, and but it isn't that. isn't a red point just that same idea of like I want to go from the top to this anchor without all the bullshit of mm. hanging there and take and up right. rope and you know I'm gonna pull up and I'm gonna try this move out like you, 
even that is a form of getting rid of all that extra shit and just be climbing. Right. So my point is, is that, yeah, it can be inspirational to the person who actually does cast off the rope. But I think the reason it's so compelling, even when someone else is doing it, which is, has been proven by the, by this film that we are, we are drawn to it as climbers. Mm -hmm. We really are because you know, it's like aid climbing went away. I mean, yeah, it's still being done. I know I'm the aid rank guy, but it really 99% of climbers are free climbers mm-hmm. or at least are attempting to free climb mm-hmm. where right. you go up the wall without pulling on gear, without feeling the rope ever, without relying on the rope. So we we really are all like pretending to free solo. Right, right. You know, so I, I think it's really a compelling form of climbing. Yeah. Just that most of us don't have the the ingredients or the the circuitry to actually do it, like you just said. Yeah. It would be fucking terrifying. Fucking amygdala is holding us back. Yeah, our da- goddamn amygdala. Amygdala. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so I mean that that's the whole thing is that you know you said well you were talking about kind of the ethics of reporting on on free soloing, which is. I think a bigger deal in the mainstream media right now than it is in climbing, because I think mm-hmm. in climbing, we just understand that, that it is freaking compelling. Okay. But the the other side of it is, you know, who is Jim Reynolds? You didn't know him like two weeks ago. And are, I still don't is, know him. is there this whole new crop of 25 year old and under dudes who are just going to start, you know, going ballistic in Patagonia and Yosemite and... No. Are are we seeing a renaissance of ropeless ascents all over the world? No. Because uh you could potentially win an Oscar award? No. <laughs> I don't think so because I, I think Jim Reynolds was that guy before right. this happened in that you know if you look if you put all these guys, you know these these guys that sort of make a mark in free soloing on a timeline, they just come along. Mm-hmm. You you don't predict them. Backers seem like the end all of free soloing. Croft seemed like the end all of free soloing. He was replaced by Alex Honnold, who seemed like the end all of free soloing. Maybe Jim Reynolds is the next one, but Jim Reynolds is a, is one person. Mm-hmm. It, it, he's not an army. He's not this swell. And and certainly, you know, I've made the point that free soloing goes on all the time. Among my friends, most guys who trad climb have a free soloing. They have a free soloing moment in their climbing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it lasts for a while. Sometimes it's really short. But they go. They check it out. They they do it for a little while, mm-hmm. and most of them move on. But most of them think it's cool when they're doing it. Yeah, they do. That's true. Because <laughs> I, I'm 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 I mean, you're making fun, but I'm saying that it it does speak to the essence of what we like about climbing. Mm-hmm. It really does. Whether you're even a gym climber, mm-hmm. you're trying to get up that wall unencumbered by all the shit. Yeah. So I just think e- each generation or every few years, there's going to be someone that pops up because that's that's the history of free soloing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. And, and no. We're, and we're going to have more just simply because there's more climbers now. And that's true. Yeah. But the truth is, is that. Not every climber has the potential to be a free soloer. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like that, that, that everybody could suddenly one day throw the rope off and say, I'm going to do this. But Everyone that's could just dabble. Not true. Yeah. People dabble, but the dabbling actually mostly tells the person, like, this isn't for me. I'm free solo curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
by solo curious <laughs> but nevertheless you're, you're getting me off track here my point being is that it takes a really special person jim reynolds is a really special person mm-hmm. alex honnell is a really special person and i don't mean special like he's better than the rest of us what i mean is that he there's is. some he is though yeah he is he's, he's glorious yeah he's glorious yeah. There's some sort of circuitry that allows him to do this. Mm-hmm. Van Gogh had some sort of circuitry that allowed him to do what he did, mm-hmm. and everybody else couldn't. And I think the, the art thing applies there, that the free soloist has this thing that is, it's not just unrealized in you and me, Andrew, it doesn't exist. So if free soloists are making art, then what am I doing when I go climbing? <laughs> Dude, do you even want me to answer that <laughs> yeah, question? Yeah, I do. Give me an honest answer. <laughs> My honest but friendly answer, and this is... Be friendly, too. Is that your art, <laughs> and I'm doing podcast air quotes right here, defies categorization. <laughs> but you be you, Andrew Bishrat. I'll be the Renoir of red pointing. <laughs> <laughs> If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast, or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com. <laughs>